Hello and welcome to Cheat the Camera. My name is J.D. Henning and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today I'm talking with Zachary Danik about his life experiences and an upcoming project he's planning on working on called The Art of Sweeping Under the Rug. Uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and give the audience just a short introduction uh, to you and your background. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York. I went to school in Syracuse at a Syracuse University. And uh, in a couple years ago, I founded a short film production company to make some projects for myself and some of my some of my other friends who are here in Los Angeles that I went to school with. And our biggest project so far has been trying to get this this 25 minute monster short film off the ground. Um, it's called The Artist Sweeping Under the Rug. And uh, I'm sure that we will go further into detail as this develops. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, why don't, why don't you uh, give a little bit of an intro to The Artist Sweeping Under the Rug? Sure. Um, so it's a, it's a trilogy of vignettes that focus a lot on societal apathy and uh, male inaction towards especially the trauma of women, but uh, it's, it's a little bit more elaborate than that, too. It's, um, you know, th there's a lot of um, stuff that goes on in society that we all kind of tolerate, but we don't mm -hmm. necessarily like. Mm -hmm. And I think a big conversation recently has been, you know, um, speaking out to members of your family who you know, say things that are problematic or right. having your actions, having, having the, 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 the same integrity in your action as you do in, in your speech. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of this short deals with people who don't learn and they, instead ignore the problems around them and allow a lot of this a lot of these issues to continue gotcha so it's sort of a cautionary tale sort of paradigm yeah i was joking with my friends that i feel something like a like a concerned citizen raising their hand at a town hall <laughs> meeting because uh i was just kind of feeling like like there was just this huge disregard for for other people, mm -hmm. and I know that America has always been sort of a uh, individual, mm -hmm. individualistic country as opposed to for the greater good of society. You know, mm -hmm. everyone's like very afraid of socialism here, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I just felt like, but this was even before the pandemic, to be honest, that I wrote the first draft of this. I, I hmm. sent the first draft to my producer in 2019, and uh, we, it was at the time I was thinking more about like uh, immigration policy and okay. and this sort of like I don't know just uh, cruelty that existed in the country, especially hmm. under Trump. It felt like hmm. people were people were sort of like encouraged to fall back onto their worst behavior. Yeah, 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 and and so uh, when you when you. Between now and when you sent your first draft off, has there been uh, a fairly significant metamorphosis in sort of how you view the project or how you're imagining the project will turn out? 
Um, there used to be a lot more of an emphasis on like so, um, some news elements and I was sort of advised against this for a few reasons, but the I didn't want it to sit too much in one exact time period, and that was mm. something that adding a, a me adding like a direct news media element to it was gonna like very much ground it in a specific time period. Like right. at one point, we were sort of talking about like Syria a lot. Mm. Okay, I uh, see. And that would make it feel very much like 2016, 2017 or something like that. Right, For right. For the most part, the there's three vignettes that make up the story and it's sort of like um the first one is sort of like a problem in the world beyond your reach. The second one is sort of like a problem next door mm -hmm. and the last one is a problem within your own family. Gotcha. And so there, and there's also degrees of horrendousness <laughs> that exist <laughs> in each of them. Okay. And uh, that has stayed true throughout. And each section has ha gone through small modifications, but it's mostly been like a, lo a lot of tweaking. Okay. And, uh, and honestly, we, we were pretty much ready to shoot uh, at the beginning of 2020. Mm. Uh, but like everybody else... Um, we were obviously delayed right and we kept just saying like oh maybe next month maybe next month we'll right. be able to shoot something you right. know <laughs> like everybody we were kind of saying like oh yeah. it seems like maybe it's about to be normal again <laughs> but uh you know we we've had one of our shoot days so far and we we have five others okay upcoming Okay, gotcha. So it sounds like you're you're sort of in the middle of of this project even as we speak. You've got uh, a little bit in the can and a little bit upcoming. Yes, uh, and we are actually still funding simultaneously while we're doing this. Okay. Um, we have sort of a a promotional video that's on YouTube right now, and at some point soon I'll be releasing uh, the first of potentially a few teasers or trailers. Gotcha. Um, from some of the footage that we do have in the can. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you originally reached out to me, I took a look at uh, sort of your your teaser video that you have out currently. And, you know, it's, it's a fairly simple uh, project. You know, we have a... Uh, an old CRT style, you know, old school t television. And, you know, we're kind of dollying in on it as the TV is showing us various sort of abstract images and uh, somehow the tone was really communicated very well. I was, uh, I, when I saw it, I thought, yeah, I can, I can see what he's going for, even though uh, by the end of it, I, I couldn't have told you in any specificity what the stories would have been about. So I was, I was really <laughs> kind of impressed by that, that, you know, you managed to pack such, uh, such a density of, of tone and, and sort of feel into what is uh, really a very simple sort of one-shot uh, teaser. So I definitely want to congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you so much. That uh, that means a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, the, the film has a sort of 90s nostalgia or mm -hmm. borrowed aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, the we are we are making the film in in four three um mm -hmm. okay. very influenced by andrea arnold's okay um, boxier style and her collaborations with robbie ryan the cinematographer okay um 
also as far as the sort of more static angles uh we've also been talking a lot about like some of jim jarmusch's early films like stranger than paradise and hmm. uh, roy anderson uh, a swedish director okay uh, Mikael hanukkah um things like that where where scenes kind of play out from one perspective hmm. and you're you sort of exist in that space in real time um so we wanted to do that with the promotional video too and i think part of the reason the tone comes across so well is the is the music from our composer mm. Nate, uh well on on uh, apple music his name is uh lost dog in topanga if you want to there's a full album out actually if you want to oh, check gotcha. it out um yeah. So. Yeah, it's it sounds like uh, you know you have you have a fairly concrete stylistic vision of of what you're looking for. Uh could you talk a little bit about why why this why this is the thing that you decided you wanted to spend your time on and focus on and do a a series of vignettes about? Sure. Um Yeah, I mean I I would say I'm kind of something of like a sensitive to some of these topics. Hmm. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm a sensitive person in general. I, I feel like a lot of the time, a little bit of what comes through in a, any of the writing that I've done is kind of like what I've been mulling about what's going on and how I relate to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think at the time when I was working on this, I was thinking about how I could do a somewhat simple short film in terms of like, you know, not having some kind of elaborate sci-fi element mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a lot of explosions or right. something. You know? And, uh, you know, I was thinking, like I said, a lot about kind of what was going on in culture. Mm-hmm. And I think I just felt very affected by by a lot of those things, and they kind of just came out maybe through frustration or something. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so it sounds like just a lot of sort of it comes out of reflections on where our culture is at and sort of how you're feeling related to that. Um, so I guess I have a question talking about uh, how you how you got the concept, it sounds like onto paper originally. Uh, I come from a background more in sort of, I guess what you would term sort of more traditional narrative shorts and uh, uh, narrative fiction. And it sounds like maybe your background is more sort of in uh, an experimental mode of filmmaking. Is is that correct? Um, I would like to say that I feel like I've always kind of been in the middle somewhere Mm. um while i was at school i actually transferred from the art department to the communications department because we have we happen to have two film schools at syracuse it's kind of (laughs) weird they should they should just combine them right um but you know when i was in the art department i was kind of feeling like a lot of the stuff i was being exposed to was interesting but no one i knew was watching it and right it wasn't um, prevalent enough, like it didn't feel like viable. Right. And 
then when I switched into communications, I was like, oh, now I'm the art kid. Like now I'm <laughs> now I'm the one who has weird taste. So I always kind of felt like maybe a little bit in the middle. The, mm-hmm. the filmmaker that I most look up to is Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Maybe to give a sense of okay. uh, where I lie on the spectrum. I'm not, I don't see myself making like Godard films or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. I, as much as I love Tarkovsky, I don't think I could ever do that kind of style. Right. Okay. Um, just because I think m- my main focus has always been as a writer first, and then I think a director second. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so it sounds like sort of how you how you view yourself, at least, sort of falling in the landscape is maybe somebody with some art house sensibilities, but fundamentally, you do want people to be able to understand the characters, follow the plot. Yeah. You know, some level of 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 mass. Uh, maybe not appeal, but at least mass um, sensibility. People can can comprehend and kind of grok what you got. Yeah, I talk about uh, a lot of times uh, when talking to friends or family, I talk about how digestible films are. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they're very artistic, there are ones that are maybe easier than others. Um, yeah. Like Wong Kar Wai, I think, is easier than Tarkovsky or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, what it is is I love the idea of bringing art house cinema to people who wouldn't necessarily think that they like that. Mm-hmm. Um, another influence on this film, and someone who I think does that really well, is David Fincher. Okay. Um, because I think he makes like very technically proficient and really like well crafted stories. Also, mm-hmm. well, like he's good at both. And right. Um, but you know, they make a hundred million dollars or more, you know, sometimes. Right. And yeah. That's, I mean that like to be able to, to exist in the space of him or Tarantino or Mm -hmm. either of the Andersons where you get to make larger budget art house films, like that's really special and and kind of rare these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We just, um, we were just watching dune and then the next day we watched the new bond movie and then the day after that we watched the green knight and <laughs> i was playing the like what do you think these movies cost game with right my friends and, right uh to you know it's a tenth you know and it's crazy it's crazy that it, it, movies now are either like five to twenty million dollars or two hundred and fifty million dollars you know yeah it is it is kind of incredible uh the it seems like the market forces keep on ushering things towards ever larger tent poles, and then all that's left over are just sort of minnows swimming about the pond, trying to trying to right. kind of get their piece of everything. Yeah. So to uh, to speak about one of the minnows and to call back something you said earlier mm-hmm. about con- conveying a tone without spoiling anything, I really loved the the marketing that Neon did for for Titan. Hmm. Um, which is probably my favorite film of the year so far until I go see um, Licorice Pizza next week. Gotcha. But um, it it does a very good job of showing off the visual style and conveying a tone without revealing any of the story. I went into the movie completely blind, basically, and I, I really respect that. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like trailers. I know some mm-hmm. people don't. 
mm-hmm. but I, I'm a fan of like that little, you know, it feels like just listening to one song off of an album you like or something, right, like a, right. a little taste of, of <laughs> that, that kind of mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, it sounds like, you know, you, you've got your project uh, started and going. Um, are, you, are you kind of self-financing it so far and trying to kind of holy, uh, slowly kind of grow it to the point where you can sort of finish the project? Or how, how are you uh, working yeah. through the funding so far? So I put up a decent chunk of what I've saved over the last few years from working here in L.A. And... Mm-hmm. and uh, I've, I've opened a fundraising campaign that is simply through our website. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is sort of to expand what's possible for us and help take some of the, give me a little relief, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Uh, mm-hmm. we, we really want to be able to do this right and, and as effectively and professionally as possible and so supplementing what i'm able to contribute to right span the project i think will will be to its benefit and um yeah it it will make us it, it will open up possibilities for us in terms of what we can do with you know crew and gear mm-hmm. and locations mm-hmm. and all those expensive things right absolutely yeah <laughs> uh so so what what is your uh kind of what is your hope with the outcome of of this project is this something that's destined tour uh to festivals any particular festival are you going to just sort of release it widely uh online and hope it kind of catch, catches a viral current what what's what are you what are you hoping for with the project um, we are definitely trying to uh, make our tour on the festival circuit. Right. And I have a very long list of festivals, and, and I've been sort of double-checking that we, we're we actually going to qualify because, I, as it stands now, I think this is looking like a 25-minute short film because of <laughs> the three, three vignettes. So it's, it's right. basically, you know, a half-hour episode of television. Right, right. And uh, not all festivals can program that because it's mm-hmm. too long or maybe it doesn't meet their qualifications. Like, can has to be 15 minutes or under. And unfortunately, that is my favorite film festival, but we will mm. not be going to France, most likely. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I would say all of, all of the main ones and all of the second tier ones are, are on a list and, and I'll be going through as many as I can afford to. Right. The right. long-term plan, I would love, because this is in vignettes, I would love to, I'm kind of thinking about this as a proof of concept in some degree, mm-hmm. and I would love to extend this. I would love to find... Uh, maybe some financiers or additional producers on the festival run and mm-hmm. be able to shoot another hour or an hour and 10 minutes and, and make this into a feature. Right. Then I think that will expand the amount of people who can see it. There yeah. Are less people who seek out short films in general than feature films. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are happy to, you know, uh, 
plunk down on their couch and, you know, spend an hour and a half to two and a half hours watching a, a feature film, but there aren't really that many who are even really think about short films as something something to watch just just for enjoyment. It's a it's a pretty yeah. uncommon uh, audience member who actually thinks thinks that way. So I guess I'm I'm interested in That's the. That's why I, I respect this show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, you know, uh, I think at one point or another, most every filmmaker is going to make. A short film, whether that's as a student yeah. or or trying to kind of make your way in the world, it just it just happens. And it's funny that it's it's this thing that I think almost everyone does at one point or another, but never no one really talks about. So absolutely, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of interested in in the idea of taking a, a series of a few vignettes as a short film and kind of extending that into a feature film. Do you have thoughts about are are these vignettes uh, tied in any sort of narrative sense, or are they essentially just thematically united, but uh, from a narrative or character perspective, they're all kind of individual? Yes, so there is a through line. Um, I don't want to give away too much, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they, um, the, the people, the, the three sets of people have never met each other, but mm-hmm. they do have a common connection. Gotcha, gotcha. And so it's something that you you have either written down or written, you know, in the folds of your brain, the idea of how yeah. to extend that that connection into into an hour, an hour and a half long sort of project. That's really yeah. interesting. I think there, you know, there are three chapters in this, and I think there are longer versions of each of those chapters. Mm-hmm. I think there are additional chapters that could be put into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my DP the other day asked me, like, hey, would you ever do this as, like, a miniseries? And I was like, absolutely, I could, mm-hmm. I could, like, you know, the, the, the link between a lot of the content in this short is thematic. Mm-hmm. So to to be able to extend that concept into a longer project, I would just need time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Time and money, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like this is, uh, you know, just something that you're really, really excited about and kind of want to want to bring into the world. Um, and that, I, I'd be kind of interested in, in turning for for a little time here and talking about sort of your background because uh, you went to Syracuse University. Uh, yes. Did you grow up in upstate New York? Yeah, I'm actually from Schenectady originally, which oh, okay. is uh, a small city near Albany, the capital that's okay. often forgotten. Uh, <laughs> I'm like two and a half hours north of New York City and mm-hmm. uh, my dad's side of the family is from Manhattan and Long Island and my mom's side is from upstate. So. Uh, gotcha. And my impression, I've, I haven't really spent any time on the East Coast uh, being yeah. a sort of Midwest boy myself, uh, that New York City and the rest of upstate New York might as well be different states for how, how, how disconnected they seem to be kind of culturally and sort of outlook wise. Is, is, that, is that kind of true? No, yeah, it's pretty accurate. I, a lot of times uh, I'll, I'll say to like my friends or whatever um, that there's there's New York City and then there's probably like f- five to eight other little towns and cities around New York mm-hmm. that are each like an hour and a half away from each other. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it's just like dairy cows and apple orchards and okay. <laughs> rivers and mountains. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the same as Pennsylvania, basically. If okay. Philadelphia was just gigantic. Right, um, right. So being from upstate, uh, you know, I had trees and... Uh, 
Oh, you know what? Two good movie recommendations okay. for Schenectady. Uh, the Place Beyond the Pines okay. was filmed when I was in high school. Oh, I didn't I was, realize that. Okay. I was actually able to be an extra in it, which was cool. In the cafeteria scene, you cannot see me, but I was there. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, Synecdoche, New York by Charlie Kaufman. Right. Um, is, a, is a pun and a literary device. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but that was also filmed in Schenectady. Okay, okay. I was wondering that's if there the was a connection. Of, yeah. That's the, where, the vibe of where I'm from. So there's pine trees and suburbs and, you know, a small city. And I used to take the train in to, to New York to, to do stuff. Gotcha. So I, I can understand growing up in uh, upstate New York, you decide, it sounds like you went to sort of a, a relatively nearby university. Um, and so I'm interested in uh, what... You know, there are increasingly, you know, maybe three or four sort of uh, film centers in North America between Vancouver, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and New York City. But for a long time, it was New York City or L.A. And you decided not to stay in on the East Coast and you decided to go to Los Angeles. What was what was the process? Uh, Some combination maybe of a personal challenge and the weather. I got very tired of snow. Mm. Um, depending on where you look it up, uh, Syracuse is like one of the snowiest cities in America. Oh, really? And okay. Yeah, all that all that lake effect coming off of all the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's rough, and you know I had family in the city. I think I liked the idea of coming out here and doing something different, and honestly. Palm trees make me feel like I'm on vacation all the time. Like <laughs> even when I'm just walking to the grocery store, like yeah. on my lunch break, like palm yeah. trees make me feel like I'm on vacation. <laughs> That's a good enough reason to go if you're always feeling yeah. like just kind of pleasantly on vacation, even though you're just yeah. working and living your life. Uh, so you decided to come out to Los Angeles. Was it was it one of the sort of grand adventures? I'm gonna you know pack my boxes and drive my car over and just kind of hope to make my fortunes? Or did you have some connections in Los Angeles? So I actually finished school while I was out here. I did my last semester in LA and I interned uh, for a management company, Circle of Confusion, uh, during the day and I took classes at night. We have a sort of satellite campus in Sherman Oaks. Okay. And um there's sort of a it's almost like an abroad program mm-hmm. that we have uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of the journalism students go to New York and a lot of the the film students and music students come to LA gotcha um, yeah so it sounds like they they did a pretty good job of sort of giving you uh, a foot into what Los Angeles is like and maybe in even into sort of uh, the industry itself yeah it was a, it was a nice little stepping stone to be out here already but you know i had an internship and school and i had almost like a a window of time where it wasn't like i had i just moved out here and i was looking for a job or something Mm -hmm. right after school you know it sort of i got integrated a little bit which was nice yeah got my lay of the land before i was officially a college graduate right Um, right when i first moved to la i had never even visited 
but my intention was to stay, which is maybe a little messed up. But <laughs> um, I had been to San Francisco for like four days. Okay. <laughs> but I had never been to Los Angeles. And my friend, my producer on this film, actually, Justin Raymer, mm-hmm. um, picked me up at the airport five years ago, uh, almost six. And uh, we he brought me back to his house in Santa Clarita for a couple of days. And then I was living at what well, used to be the Oakwood which is now um, like Ava Toluca Lake or some shit. But <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> um, it was definitely an adventure. I mm-hmm. had like two suitcases mm-hmm. and um, my car, I got had my car shipped actually and I flew. Yeah. You know, like those big, uh, really scary, awkward car carriers where it always looks like it's going to fall off when you're behind <laughs> them. Um, so <laughs> my car is precariously balanced up there. Right. And I, I literally just had two suitcases of stuff with me. Everything else that I own now is all new possessions, which has sort of inspired me to adopt uh, minimalism. Yeah, it, it can be nice to have that sort of clean break. I know I... Yeah, I got to restart. Yeah, yeah, hit that restart button and you can sort of... Yeah, you don't have all of the tethers of, oh, what do I do with my high school yearbooks, etc. You can just yeah. say, I only need this. And that's all I'm going to have. It's just sitting under my bed at my parents' house. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and not not such a bad place. Uh, In some ways, it it can be nice to have uh, a really fresh new beginning. So I'm sure that there are going to be some listeners here who are sort of in a place maybe somewhat similar to yours. They are, you know, current university students or maybe uh, high school students who are thinking about film and uh, they are thinking about, you know, do I go to the State University Film Program? Do I just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to set my sights and head to L.A. directly. Uh, from your perspective, uh, what advice would you give them based on your experience? Um, I, I almost think that I underappreciated the process of going to film school mm. before and partially while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it feels like you're paying a lot of money, mm-hmm. you, the the nice thing about sort of being in the incubator and having the access to gear and mm-hmm. like-minded people who mm-hmm. have free time is mm-hmm. that it is a lot easier to get projects off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked on a lot more short films while I was in college for friends and things like that mm-hmm. than since I've been on a, in LA because you know everybody works. And right. So it's you know like we're we're filming this piecemeal on weekends. Right. Right. Around around people's you know freelance and um you know gig economy schedules. Right. right. Uh, yeah. It I'm, costs a lot more money to make it after college. So you know whatever you're gonna do, borrow the most expensive camera that your college <laughs> cage offers, and ask tell all your friends that. Um, if they help you for a couple of days that you'll help them for a couple of days when right. they go to make something. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, like make friends with people who have different skill sets than you. Totally. Totally. And when was it in, in your sort of journey in filmmaking that you decided that you kind of ended up slotting into sort of mostly writing and also directing? Uh, how was that process for you? I think I, I think I always liked writing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm colorblind, so I'm not oh. great at. <laughs> uh, I, I lit. I did lighting for like a black and white film right, once, with, right. which was easier. I didn't have to worry as much about like gels and stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but I really don't like doing lighting or camera because I'm. You know, every time I have done color correction, also everyone's always like, "Oh, this is too blue." <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, that's legit. <laughs> I. I always enjoyed writing. I really like, I'm not good at being creative in front of people. I could never get up on stage and sing or do stand up mm-hmm, comedy, but mm-hmm. I like when I have a minute to myself, I get lost in thought and I like writing and creating stuff and gotcha. Um, directing kind of came with it because in film, in order to have sort of control over your story, that's the best way to do it. Right. And I sort of, I almost want to say, like, picked up the directing artistic sensibilities along the way from right the stuff that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, watch a bunch of stuff and don't try too hard to imitate, but just kind of, right. I don't know, just go instinctively. Right, right, right. Yeah, just kind of let the osmosis process happen and yeah. that'll that'll put you in a good direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so it sounds like you did manage to find work and you've, you've sort of persisted through, through the pandemic in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I was, I was working as a, an associate producer on a comedy game show. Hmm. Uh, so I was working with a lot of stand-up comedians, which hmm. was, uh, very fun. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. the, you know, my coworkers were a blast. Right. And weirdly enough, I, I have more connections and more friends who are in stand up comedy than feature films, which, you know, isn't exactly what I thought or <laughs> would have necessarily right. asked for. But right. um, I have actually not been working for a while. And mm-hmm. part, part of part of my logic was like, oh, I've I've been given like this window of time where I have like a break. Mm-hmm. And and I've basically been working on this short as if it's my full time job for, gotcha. for a little bit now, and um, I think I'm going to be going back soon. I think things are starting to finally get back to normal where right. we could film a TV show. But right, uh, you know, uh, like everybody else, I've I've had to get creative and figure it out. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I know. <sighs> For industries where they were able to sort of enter a holding pattern, that's one thing. But, you know, entertainment industry is, is has sort of always been gig-oriented and a little bit sort of kind of piecemeal it together. Uh, it makes sense that, uh, you know, that's, that's going to create a sort of uh, situation where, oh, I have free time now because in my real job, I, you know, they don't give me time off sort of a thing. That, <laughs> that creates a great opportunity there, yeah. And sort of the... The hustle mentality that I think you you can get into in, in that sort of industry probably probably makes uh, that into an opportunity rather than oh crap I have to I have to stare at my apartment walls for the next couple of months yeah yeah it sounds like you've kind I, of found a way to make it useful. I definitely did stare at my apartment walls for a couple months uh, <laughs> as well. I thought yeah. there was time for that too. But, oh totally. Um, yeah, I, I you know you, I get not bored but. I, I I want to do something after right. a while. You know, there's only right. so many 
movies that you can watch in a row before you're like, I need to like ride my bike or go for a walk. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Right. Or, or write or something. Right. And so, you know, I had this project that had been sitting on my shelf metaphorically and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of waiting to be able to do it. And, and now finally feels like the right time. And yeah, I've got this team coming together and yeah, yeah. that's really exciting. Yeah. So I, th I think that this has been a great sort of introduction to you, introduction to your project. And I, I feel really good about, uh, about where we're at. Uh, so I guess, uh, before we wrap up, uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn about your project? Yeah, so I will give you um, arthouseproductions.com. Okay. It's spelled a little funny, so I'll mm -hmm. give you the link for the description. But Absolutely. But on our website, we have links to all of our other social accounts. There's information about the film. There's the donation stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the easiest one link, or I can give you like my link tree link. Um, the YouTube, Instagram, the website. I would mm -hmm. say it's like the big three. Gotcha. Great. That's, out there. that's great. Perfect. So uh, content to follow. <laughs> there we go. More to follow. Trailer Ab coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, thanks again, Zach. And uh, thank you all for listening to Cheat the Camera. Please comment and rate Cheat the Camera on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. It's the best way to help spread the word about this podcast. You can get in touch with me by contacting me at contact at cheatthecamera.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>